we'll be reading together and then Carl will be reflecting on those words. So from So then from Matthew chapter 6, starting with verse 5, we read these words. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. When you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how you should pray. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But... If you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Thank you, Carl. Well, if there's one thing I think that that we all as Christians find universally difficult, I think it's prayer. Uh, I suspect if I asked you to put up your hand if you find prayer difficult, that most of us will probably put up our hands. Uh, And yet prayer is somehow, I think, strangely built into us. Uh, Even the most irreligious people often admit to praying to something or someone, uh, even if they don't know uh, who or what that is. Uh, I don't know if you heard the saying that everyone in the trenches believes in God. Uh, it's an idea that, you know, in, in, in periods of war, uh, you know, everyone is crying out to God. Uh, somehow people are drawn to communicate with God even when they don't know who God is. Uh, and yet even for those of us who know God uh, through Jesus, prayer, which is anything more than kind of a passing comment in a time of crisis, seems like a battle. We don't actually, we know Jesus, we have this great privilege of knowing God through him, and yet we find prayer so difficult. We find anything more than just a quick prayer, hard work. We know that we need to speak to God. Uh, We know that we ought to treasure that. Uh, We know intrinsically that speaking to God is part of what it means to be human. But we struggle to string more than two words together. Uh, And we spend most of our lives, I think, mute, uh, living in kind of a cone of silence. I think we all find prayer difficult. I certainly find prayer difficult. But prayer is important because prayer is a reflection uh, of our faith. It's a reflection of our relationship with God. Prayer is faith in action. 
So we're going to look at prayer this morning in the hope that in God's grace we can grow together uh, in uh, speaking to God. So let's pray uh, to that end and ask that God would help us to grow in prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, uh, we, we come to you now to speak to you, to ask that you would help us to grow in that, that you would help us to grow in being people of prayer, people who depend on you, people who love to speak with you, uh, to talk with you. Uh, Lord, we ask that uh, this might not be something uh, that we think we have to do on our own, but something that we depend on you for as your spirit works in us but, Lord, also something that we can work on together uh, and spur each other on in together. And so we ask that you would do that for Jesus' sake. Amen. Uh, So I want to start by making some general observations about prayer, and uh, we'll do that for a bit, and then we'll spend some time thinking about what prayer should look like, the mechanics of prayer uh, in our life, and how prayer can become one of uh, our habits in our Christian lives. So we saw last week that God is a speaking God. God speaks to us in the Bible. Uh, We hear what he says. Uh, But God is also a listening God. So listen to these words about how God hears us. Psalm 4, know that the Lord has set apart his faithful servant for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. Uh, Or from Psalm 34, the righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. Uh, Or Psalm 55, evening, morning and noon, I cry out in distress and he hears my voice. I don't know if you've ever had one of those conversations with someone uh, and all they do, it's just them talking at you the whole time. (laughs) It's it's just exhausting and you go home and you think, did they ever ask me a single question (laughs) about me or what I was interested in? It's exhausting, isn't it, to be talked at. But what a great encouragement it is to know that that's not the kind of God that God is. God doesn't just talk at us in his Bible and say, this is what you have to do. God says, this is what I've done. This is who I am. Come and know me. Come and speak to me. He listens, we're told in the Bible, because he's our father in Christ. Jesus teaches his disciples to pray, our father. This is not God up there and us down here, but he is our loving Heavenly Father. Romans 8, we're told that if we're in Jesus, we have God's Spirit uh, within us by whom we cry, Abba, Father. God listens to us like a father listens to his child. Always attentive, always loving, always concerned about us uh, and concerned about what lies on our hearts. We speak to God, not because we must, but because we have a relationship with him. Through Jesus Christ. And in fact, God listens so acutely, the Bible tells us, he listens so acutely to our needs that he knows what we need before we even ask for it. I wonder if you've ever had that experience of thinking, what I really need is this, whatever it might be, uh, and you never stop to pray for it, and yet the next moment it turns up for you out of nowhere. And you realise that you've never even prayed for that and yet God is so kind to give it to you anyway. But if God knows what we need before we even ask for it, then why do we need to ask at all? 
And yet the fact that we need to ask that question, I think, shows that we failed to understand the purpose of prayer. Uh, If the purpose of prayer is simply to tell God what we want, then in some ways it doesn't make sense. If, If the purpose of prayer is just to tell God what we want and he already knows, then what's the point? But if the purpose of prayer is to relate with God and to speak with God and to share with him our sorrow and our needs, our joys and our hopes, if the purpose of prayer is to know God, then it makes sense that God would want us to pray even though he already knows what we need. And if even though he already knows what we need better than we do. We pray because God delights in us asking and in us showing our dependence on him. And we pray because God delights to give good gifts, but in response to our requests. And we pray because that's the nature of a meaningful relationship, to say, God, this is what I need. And for God to say, look, here it is. God not only listens, though, He also helps us to speak and he speaks for us. So we're told in Romans 8 that in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. So sometimes we don't know what to pray for. Sometimes we're lost for words might have had that experience. You sit down to pray, you think to yourself, I need to pray, but you don't actually quite know what to pray for. You don't know how to put that into words. Or we don't even know what it is that we need. Or we don't know how what we desire lines up with God's will. God tells us that his spirit helps us in our weakness. The spirit intercedes for us. The spirit prays on our behalf. The spirit who knows God's own mind... And the Spirit who knows our deepest needs intercedes and prays on our behalf and in accordance with the will of God. The Spirit knows us better than we do and puts our needs into words of prayer to God. That's not a motivation for less prayer. You might think, oh, well, if the Spirit's praying, I don't need to pray. Actually, it's a motivation for more prayer, for more confident prayer, because it releases us to pray with confidence because we know that even if we get it wrong... Even if we misunderstand ourselves and our needs, even if we misunderstand God and God's willingness to answer us, even if we get it wrong, we know that the Spirit is praying along with us, knowing much more perfectly what we need and knowing much more perfectly what the will of God is and putting our needs, our desires, uh, our requests into the perfect words for our Heavenly Father. So why do we pray? We pray because God is a listening God. Uh, And in growing in prayer, that's the first thing that we need to reassure ourselves of because we won't pray if we don't believe that God listens. But God not only listens, the Bible tells us, he also answers prayer. Uh, So in Luke 11, Jesus says to his disciples, I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, 
and to the one who knocks the door will be opened. Which of you, fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Jesus says that we should ask, seek and knock in prayer because God loves to give good gifts to those who ask him. What's the requirement for God giving a good gift? Well, according to Jesus, it's asking. Jesus doesn't say that God will always give us exactly what we want, but he does say that God will never give us some, uh, never will, that will never ask God for something good and he'll give us something bad instead. So we'll never ask for a fish, Jesus says, and get a snake. Well, that's a relief. But we might ask for a fish and get a sandwich. Depends if you're a fish person whether that's good or not. But you see what Jesus is saying? He's, he's, he's not saying, whatever you ask for, that's always exactly what you'll get. He's saying, actually, God is so good that he'll always give you something good. And actually, what the good that he gives might actually be better than what uh, we even ask for. Jesus says, how much more will, the, will, will our loving Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? God gives us above and beyond what we can ask or imagine. God always gives us good, uh, not evil, in response uh, to our prayers. I realised a couple of years ago that I didn't actually believe that. You might not actually believe that either. Uh, I, I discovered that what I'd fallen into is what I would like to call the Murphy's Law view of prayer. That is, if God can make it go wrong, he will make it go wrong. Uh, and my view of prayer was that if I asked God for something good, he would, he would do the opposite. Because my default view of God was that God always wants to teach us a lesson. That God, instead of God wanting to be a good, loving God who gives us good gifts, my view of God was that he wanted to make my life difficult uh, so that he could teach me something. Uh, the end result of that is that I wouldn't pray for things that I really wanted because I was afraid that if I asked God for something that God would give me the opposite of that. I wonder if you can relate to that kind of idea. But God says, Jesus says, we know that God delights to give good gifts. We don't need to be afraid of asking for something and fearing that God will give us something bad instead. No. God's delight is to give us more than we ask or imagine. That doesn't mean, as I said before, that we'll always get exactly what we ask for, but it will always be something good. Yet there are times, I think, in the Bible uh, and in the Christian life, there are times where we do know that God will give us what we ask, exactly what we ask for. Uh, so the Apostle John writes in 1 John 5, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Uh, and if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. When we ask according to his will, we know that he hears us. Uh, when we ask God to forgive us our sins, we know that that is a prayer that God 
answers. If we confess our sins, John says earlier in the gospel, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When we pray according to God's will, we know that he hears us. But sometimes I think that our prayer is paralysed by our, our uncertainty about what God will say. So we think to ourselves, he might say no, uh, it might not be according to his will, I better not pray. Uh, or he might, he might say yes, <laughs> but maybe it's not in accordance with his will, maybe I better not pray about that either. And so we end up in this tangle of knots thinking to ourselves, well I don't know whether I should pray or not. But we don't have to worry about God's answer. God's answer to our prayers is God's problem. We can leave that safely to him. We don't need to be paralysed by indecision. All we need to do is to bring our prayers to God and to trust him, to trust him to make the best call on what to do. I think one of the most helpful prayers that you can ever pray is, God, I've got no idea what the right thing to do here is, but you know, you're heaps cleverer than I am. I'm an idiot. You know the whole world. You know the end from the beginning. You know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't have any idea. You know what will work. So please, you just work it out for me. I can't. It's yours. You do it. We know that God listens and we can know that God will give us his best answer. He will answer in a way better than we could ever have hoped or imagined. So God listens. That gives us confidence to pray. God answers prayer. That should inspire us to pray. But what does prayer look like in the Christian life? In the rest of our time this morning, I want to think about the style of prayer that we should uh, pursue, the content of the prayer that we, pursue, we should pursue, and then also to think about uh, how, what, uh, kind of how we can get prayer into uh, our daily lives. So first of all then, what should our style of prayer be? Well, Jesus says that we should pray to be heard by God and not to be seen by others. We should pray to be heard by God and not seen by others. So in that passage that we read in Matthew 6, Jesus says, don't pray on the street corners, pray in your cupboard. If it's big enough. I, I just, they all clearly had larger cupboards in those days uh, or walk-in wardrobes. Uh, but the point, the point is clear, isn't it? Uh, don't, don't pray in public where people can see you. Uh, pray in your cupboard. The point is not, don't ever pray in public. Uh, people pray in public all the time in the Bible. Uh, Paul encourages people to pray in public. Jesus prays in public. It's not that we ought never to pray in public. The point, rather, is that the goal of prayer is to talk to God. And yet one of the dangers of public prayer can be is that you lull yourself into this false sense of thinking that you're praying to God, that you're speaking to God, when you're not actually speaking to God, you're just speaking to everybody else. You're not talking to God at all. You're just trying to impress the people in front of you. But when we pray in our cupboard, that is when we pray away from people's prying eyes, it shows how much we're actually interested in God. So if your life is full of public prayer and no private prayer, what does that say? It probably says that you're more interested in what people think of you than in wanting to speak to God. 
And if the prayers that you pray in public are deep, profound prayers, and the prayers that you pray in private are shallow and empty, it probably says that you're much more interested in what people think about you than you are in speaking to God. What should our prayer be like? Well, it should be prayer that's prayed to God, uh, not to other people. Uh, But then our prayers also, Jesus says, don't have to be long. Well, that's encouraging. Uh, Jesus says that we shouldn't uh, think that God will listen to us because we use lots of words. Uh, We're often so embarrassed, aren't we? I think it's so amazing that even though Jesus says this, we're so embarrassed by short prayers. Uh, But we shouldn't be because Jesus says that short prayers are just as effective as long prayers. In fact, short prayers may be uh, may demonstrate a greater reliance on God than long prayers because long prayers betray a false belief that God hears us because of our many words. Uh, Colin Buchanan sings in one of his songs about arrow prayers. Uh, I don't know if anyone knows that song, but um, yeah, that's right. Shoot him up an arrow prayer. Is that right? I think that's right, isn't it? I don't have any kids, but uh, there you go. I don't know how I know that. Uh, but arrow prayer, I love that, don't you? It's, uh, and everyone does the action, don't they? Shoot him up an arrow prayer. Uh, but the idea is that it's a quick, short prayer to God, right? Uh, and prayers can be like that. Uh, you can shoot up a quick prayer to God in a moment of crisis or in a moment of joy, uh, and he hears us. Our prayer doesn't have to be long, but to say that prayer doesn't have to be long doesn't mean that long prayers are godless. Uh, There are lots of long prayers in the Bible. Moses prays a really long prayer at the end of Exodus. Solomon prays a really long prayer at the establishment uh, of the temple. Jesus prays for hours in the Garden of Gethsemane. He prays for so long that his disciples fall asleep multiple times. Just like in ordinary life, sometimes you have a lot to say and sometimes you don't. And so if you don't have much to say to God, you don't have to say a lot. You don't have to pat it out with extra words in the thought that, well, if it's only short, he won't hear me. No, God says, I can hear you just with a few words. That's okay. Third, our prayer should be bold. Uh, In Luke 11, Jesus says that in our prayer we should be like the guy who goes to his friend at midnight to ask for food for his guests. Uh, Even that rudely awoken friend, Jesus says, will eventually grudgingly get up and give give his friend what he wants. But how much more so will God give us what we ask for When God is not a God who gives begrudgingly, but willingly and generously and gladly. Jesus says we can be so bold with God that we can call out to him in the middle of the night. There's no time of day that we can't cry out to God. We can be so bold to cry out to him in the middle of the night. And we can be so bold to ask him for outrageously good things. We don't ever need to think, well, I best not ask for that because uh, it's too good. It's too, it's too outrageous. It's too audacious. Someone told me recently they read uh, a biography of Billy Graham. Billy Graham set himself the goal of being America's pastor. It's extraordinary, isn't it? 
What an audacious prayer to pray that God would make him America's pastor. And in, in some ways he became that. How audacious to pray that God would convert the entirety of Launceston. We shouldn't be afraid to pray bold prayers. God can handle it. I'll listen to the kind of boldness that the writer of Hebrews speaks about in Hebrews 4. He says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathise with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Uh, Even when we feel that sin stands in the way of our prayers, God says that we can come with boldness uh, when we come through Jesus. We can claim God's ear not because we deserve it, because how fickle would that be if we could only uh, have confidence that God would hear us when we deserved it? God would never listen to us at all. But God says that even having fallen into the deepest sin, we can come to God with great boldness and we can know that he will hear us. It's extraordinary that we can, we can know that we have offended God in the most profound way and yet we can have absolute rock-solid confidence the one person that we can come to and the one person who will hear us is God himself. We can ask God to forgive us and we will know that he will. Fourth, our prayer should be persistent. Uh, In Luke 18 we're told, uh, Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. What was the parable? It was the parable about a woman and an unjust judge. And this woman, uh, there was this corrupt judge, I should say, who refused to give this woman... uh, decide her case in her favour. And so she kept going back and pestering him and saying, you've got to give me justice, you've got to give me justice. She'd go back again and again, pestering him and pestering him. And eventually this unjust judge was worn down by her persistence and he he gave her what she wanted. And Jesus says, if even an unjust judge is eventually worn down by persistence... How much more can we be persistent with God who wants to give us what we ask for? God is not unjust. God will not delay. Jesus says, pray and keep praying and don't give up. So our prayer should be to God, not to other people. Uh, It can be short as well as long. Uh, It should be bold and it should be persistent. But what about what we pray for? What ought we to pray for? I think the most helpful thing to say is that our prayer should be shaped by the Bible. That is, it should be, our prayer should be shaped by what God has first said to us. Uh, we're, we're having a conversation with God and God is the first one to speak. He's spoken to us and we're speaking back to him. If we're to pray according to God's will, then our prayers ought to be shaped by what God has said, what he's revealed about his will in the Bible. Uh, So the Bible should shape our prayers. Well, in this passage, Jesus is teaching his disciples about the kinds of things that they should pray for. So it's worth stepping through some of those to think about how we can shape our prayers according uh, to that 
pattern. So Jesus says a few things. He says, first of all, uh, he teaches his disciples to pray, hallowed be your name. Uh, That is, he teaches them to ask God to make his name and himself honoured in uh, in his own world. Uh, We ought to pray that God's name would be honoured in his own world, that God should get the glory that he deserves. Uh, He follows that up with a similar plea your kingdom come, your will be done as, uh, on earth as it is in heaven. So in the first request, that focuses on God's honour being recognised and celebrated. The second request focuses on God's salvation being fully realised, God's kingdom coming. But also it focuses on God's loving rule and authority being established in the world. So together these two requests kind of speak to the purpose of mission and evangelism and also the growth of God's uh, great gospel plan, the growth of God's uh, people in glorifying him and living for him. So what are we to pray for most of all? What is it that Jesus puts at the top of the list? Well, it's, we should be praying for God to be honoured as he should be, both in our lives and in the lives of others, And we should be praying for God to be loved and obeyed as he should be, both in our lives uh, and in the lives of others. Uh, So we can pray for people to grow in their knowledge of God. Uh, We can pray for Christians to grow in godliness. We can pray for injustice to be undone in our world. We can pray for people to believe the gospel, for the work of missionaries to advance, to prosper. We can pray for boldness in our own sharing of the gospel. We can pray for God to raise up Christian leaders to be sent out into the harvest. We can pray for God to grow the church. We can pray uh, for for God to extend his kingdom. All those things are applications of these prayers for God's name to be hallowed uh, and God's uh, God's kingdom to come. Third, uh, then, Jesus teaches us to pray for our daily bread. That is, we are to bring to God our most basic needs. There's nothing that we can pray for that's beyond God's interest. Uh, Even our most basic necessities are of interest to God. And Jesus says that we ought to pray for those things daily. There's no need to be embarrassed about bringing the same request to God every day. So we need to come to God, cap in hand, God, you're never going to believe it. I actually need food again today. I know it's a little bit embarrassing. I asked for this yesterday uh, and I'm going to ask for it again. No, Jesus says actually we should be bold. We should come every day and say this isn't silly, but this is actually a recognition of the reality of life, that I depend on you, God, for Every single thing, every day, even the most basic things, just to live, I need you. Some people uh, denigrate what they call shopping list prayers. That is, a shopping list prayer is praying to God with a list of things that we need. But how silly to denigrate shopping list prayers when that's exactly the kind of thing that Jesus encourages us to pray. Jesus encourages us to come to God in prayer with all our needs, with the smallest little thing, and to present them to God. And God loves to hear them. He loves to hear great long lists of things that we need him to do for us. And he loves to hear them every day again. Lord, I know I prayed for these 98 things yesterday, but I'm going to pray for them again today. Because 
I know that you love to hear my needs and requests. He loves us to speak to him, to tell us what we need, tell him what we need, what we're afraid of, uh, and how much we need him for everything in our lives. Fourth, Jesus teaches us to pray for forgiveness. The connection between this prayer, forgive us our sins, and the one before, give us our daily bread, suggests that this is also supposed to be a daily prayer. That is, just as we pray for pray daily for our most basic necessities, we pray daily for forgiveness. We need to daily confess our sins and ask God uh, to blot them out again. There's no conflict here between our justification in Jesus and God teaching us to confess our sins and pray for forgiveness. Yes, we're adopted into Jesus, uh, into God's family through Jesus. Yes, our eternity is secure in the hands of Jesus. Yes, we're holy and righteous in Christ. It's not that our salvation is in jeopardy after we commit a new sin, until we confess it uh, and ask for forgiveness. No. We're holy and righteous in Christ. But that doesn't mean that the relationship that we have with God doesn't have its ups and downs. Our sin affects our relationship with God and we need to deal with that sin and with those ups and downs by acknowledging our sins to God and asking him to wipe them away and pardon them. Uh, It used to be a fairly standard practice in discipling someone and following Jesus to teach them at the end of the day to confess their sins to God and ask for forgiveness. To think back over the day and to think back and to think about how you've dishonoured God in your life and to say, God, this is... This is how I've lived. I I know that hasn't honoured you. Please forgive me for that. Uh, The Puritans used to talk about keeping short accounts with God. That is, being speedy to acknowledge their faults, but also speedy to receive God's grace and assurance in Jesus Christ. That practice of daily uh, confession and repentance seems to have fallen out of favour, I think, in, uh, in Christian practice, evangelical Christian practice, uh, to our detriment. Jesus teaches us to pray for our forgiveness daily. Finally, Jesus teaches us to pray, uh, in line with that as well, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So no one wants to keep going back to God with a list of sins to confess how much better it would be not to fall into sin in the first place. And so Jesus says we ought to pray that God would spare us from sin, that we wouldn't be led into temptation, that Satan wouldn't have his way with us. There might be particular sins that you struggle with. Well, you ought to bring those before God and say, Lord, you know that I'm struggling with this. Please keep me from it. Lead me not into temptation and deliver me from the evil one. There might be sins also that you would never think of falling into. But we should never think, well, I won't sin in that way. Instead, we should humble ourselves before God and say, well, God, who knows? There but by the grace of God go I. Lead me not into temptation. So Jesus uh, teaches us to pray for the growth of his kingdom. Uh, He teaches us to pray uh, for our basic needs. He teaches us to pray for forgiveness and deliverance from evil. 
But the Bible also shows us other ways that we can pray to God. Let me just mention uh, a couple briefly. Uh, he says, the Bible also says that we can be thankful uh, to God in prayer. So Paul says in Colossians, devote yourselves to prayer being watchful and thankful. I was visiting my brother and his family for dinner recently. And uh, before dinner, the, the kids take it in turn to pray. Uh, and the, the, the youngest one, Anthony, he's about five or something like that, uh, had just discovered that you don't have to, that you can pray a longer kind of prayer. Uh, and so he was kind of, kind of taking the opportunity to pray <laughs> for as long as he could. He clearly hadn't heard the other part of what Jesus had said. But he, so he began this prayer at length. Uh, Lord, thank you for the day. Uh, Lord, thank you that Uncle Carl could come for dinner. They always pray for that. Uh, you know, thank you that this could happen, that we could do this at school. And on and on he went, uh, praying and being thankful to God for what God had given him. And I thought, isn't that, isn't that wonderful? Isn't that, that's actually really beautiful, isn't it? Uh, that here is a child who is pouring out his, God, his heart in thankfulness to God uh, in a way that most of us as adults never do. We'd be embarrassed to pray like that, wouldn't we? We think it's too childish to do that. But actually, he is the one with the greater maturity uh, and not us. Uh, as I said, I'm no, uh, I said earlier, I'm no great prayer warrior. But one of the things I've enjoyed learning to do more and more in the last few years is to be thankful. Uh, to be thankful in prayer. And I think one of the greatest delights in life and one of the greatest sources of joy and refreshment is stopping at the end of a day and thinking back through all the good things that God has done and deliberately being thankful for them, even the smallest things. Lord, thank you for breakfast. There wasn't much to write home about, but it was good food. And thank you for nice, uh, for nice coffee. And thank you for uh, the frost on the ground this morning when I opened the curtains. Just, the, be- just the, the beauty of that creation. Thank you for that bird that I saw flitting around in the, in the trees. Uh, thank you for friendship, for that conversation that I could have with that person that was so encouraging. How can we pray? Uh, we can pray by being thankful. But we can also pray uh, questioning prayers. We can pray prayers where we ask God what's going on. Uh, So Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Uh, It's not wrong to cry out to God and ask, God, what's going on? You said that you'd be with me and look after me, but it doesn't seem like that's happening. What are you doing? I don't understand. Prayer is not always, uh, you know, kind of presenting the most composed uh, version of ourselves, sometimes we pray to God and we don't understand what's going on. And yet even as we pray like that, it's important also to try and move beyond that to the hope uh, that God gives us, to, to move beyond that, to trust in God. So lots of the Psalms that begin badly, even if they don't end 100% well, they at least end with a person praying to God and reminding God and reminding themselves of Uh, of who God is and what he's promised. So Psalm 4 begins, Answer me when I call to you. Give me relief from my distress. But then it ends with this statement of trust in God. In peace I will lie down and sleep. For you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. 
So you might pray something like this. You might say, God, you promised to be with me, but I feel as though you're so far away from me today. I'm drowning here. I feel so discouraged about my life. I lack joy. I can't get out of bed in the morning. I feel like I've lost all hope. But God, I'm going to trust you. Because I have no one else to trust. And I'm going to trust you because I know that you're trustworthy. And I'm going to trust you because I know that you love me and you'll work all things together for your good and my good. And I'm going to trust you because I know that you're more powerful than anything that I'm going through at the moment. We can be honest with God about where we're at. But also move from that to expressing our trust in him. And even when things aren't going badly, it can be really helpful to pray prayers of trust in which we express what we believe about God. God, I trust in your faithfulness. I trust in your love. I trust in your love with which you loved me before the creation of the world. I trust in Jesus' death in my place. I trust that my sins are forgiven. I trust that I belong to you and that no one can pluck me out of your hand. When we pray prayers of trust, we not only encourage ourselves with the truth of God, but we honour God by saying that we believe what he has said about himself. Well, uh, finally then, it's helpful having thought about what prayer is and what shape it should take to think briefly about how we can make it part of our lives. So I just want to give some tips. Uh, There's no chapter and verse for these. They're not based on... uh, on particular Bible verses, these are not commands from God, but I think they're helpful things uh, based on biblical ideas and biblical models, uh, helpful ideas that can help you to grow uh, in praying to God and speaking with God. So first of all then, try and find regular times to pray. I think that's really helpful. Arrow prayers are good, uh, but we also need to make space to pray. Uh, if we're going to pray for any longer than a a few sentences. Uh, And we often work best from habits rather than to-do lists. Uh, So you'll probably have more success if you set aside time to pray at the same time every day. So work out the best times for you to pray uh, and then stick with it. So it might be the first thing in the morning before you hop in the shower. It might be while you're having breakfast. It might be while you're having lunch. It might be right before you start getting ready for bed. It might be when you're in bed before you go to sleep. Uh, as an aim, too, I think it's good to set aside time, even just a few minutes at the beginning of the day and at the end of the day to pray so that you start the day by speaking with God and that you end the day by speaking with God. Uh, second, find the best places to pray. So I find it hard to to pray sitting in a chair at home uh, because there's just too many distractions. You think, oh, what what am I doing next Thursday? I'll just look that up. Um, Ah, what was I going to... Oh, I was going to read that thing in that book. I'll just quickly go and do that. Uh, It's it's too easy to be distracted. Uh, So I find it helpful to walk and pray. Leave your phone at home, go for a 30-minute walk uh, and pray to God. Or in the car, turn the radio off and pray. So every time you get in the car, spend the time praying. 
Find the best places to pray. Third, don't just pray off the cuff, but include written prayers. So there's no verse in the Bible that says that every prayer that you pray has to be made up on the spot. Uh, In fact, the Bible is full of written prayers. Many of the Psalms are written prayers that were there for people to pray for themselves or to use as the basis for their own prayers. Throughout the history of uh, the Christian church, people have have benefited from written prayers. Off-the-cuff prayers tend to be a bit the same. We think that we're being uh, wonderfully creative, but actually we just pray the same thing day after day endlessly. That is, we have a written prayer, it's just not written down. Uh, it's, it's, it's written in our habits and in our minds. Uh, written prayers can help us escape the trap of repetitiveness and thoughtlessness. So a number of the books uh, that I mentioned in the leaflet contain written prayers, uh, or you can Google Peter Adam Daily Prayers, uh, they're a good start too. With all of those written prayers, you'll find that the words are not what you would say, but that's okay. Just read a sentence and then put them in your own words. Fourth, pray the Bible back to God. So if you read the Bible every morning or after dinner with the family, then try and turn the words from the Bible into a prayer to pray to God. Uh, That can be a bit trickier with an Old Testament story, uh, but... (laughs) still worth a go, but uh, it's, if, if, you, if you're new to it, start with a psalm uh, or with one of the New Testament letters or something like that. So you might pray Psalm 23, Lord Jesus, you're my shepherd. There's nothing that I need that I don't have. Uh, you make me lie down in green pastures. You always give me everything that I need when I need it. Uh, you lead me beside still waters amid the hustle and bustle of this life. You give me rest and refreshment. You restore my soul. Finally, keep lists of people and things to pray for. Uh, It's so hard to remember all the people that you said that you would pray for, uh, so write them down. A few months ago, Graham demoed uh, the Prayer Mate app, uh, which helps you to keep a track of the things that you're committed to praying for. It keeps track of the lists of things that you want to pray for, but it also provides prayers that you can pray, prayers based on the Bible, prayers that other people have written, uh, prayers for mission mission agencies. Uh, It's not unspiritual to follow a plan, and in fact you'll inevitably find that having a little bit of structure will enrich your fellowship with God rather than erode it. So find the best times to pray, find the best places to pray, uh, use written prayers, pray the Bible, uh, and keep lists of things to pray for. But even as we uh, use those tips, even as you try and make use of those tips, we need to remember that the aim of this is not just to pray more uh, and to be better at getting through our list of things to pray for. It's important to remember the aim of this is to spend more time with God to spend more time speaking with the God who loves us and speaking to the God who hears us. Speaking to our Father who loves us in Christ uh, and who listens to our prayers empowered by his Spirit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are a God who hears. Uh, Thank you that you hear us now. And Lord, we pray that you would help us to grow in taking full advantage of your listening ears. 
Uh, Help us to be people who bring to you our worries and concerns, uh, our struggles and our difficulties, our exhaustion and our temptations, our sin and the ways which we have dishonoured you. Lord, help us to bring those things to you and to trust that you hear us, that you answer our prayers, that you give us above and beyond what we ask or imagine. Lord, help us to keep prayer in the right perspective and to know that this is not a box to be ticked but a conversation to be had with you, the God who loves us. We ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen.